Have you ever thought that being an entrepreneur would be easier than this? For years, I've tried to break free from Rogue Warrior consultant life, only to return time and again in order to survive. What I soon realized is my own isolation and self-doubt was getting in my way, and that my biggest successes, my happiest moments, came through connections with people who cared about me. It's now my mission to make it easier for entrepreneurs like us to connect with incredible human beings who rise up higher together. We are not self-made, we are community-made. But the real question is, how will we do it? This podcast will give you the answers. Join me on this journey as I interview top experts and entrepreneurs who are figuring it out. I'm your host, Jerry Kurt, and you are listening to the Community Forged Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Community Forge podcast. And today you're with me, the host Jerry Kirk, and I have another amazing guest on the show. And this time I'm really excited because the person on the show today, he is a master at helping people create a financial plan that gives them complete control over their finances, which honestly is the doorway to living the life on their own terms. He's the founder and creator of Cashflow Tactics and Atlas Wealth Solutions. He's a real estate investor, a devoted husband, and loving dad. We've gotten to know each other a little bit through a high-end mastermind, and I'm super excited to dive in deeper with him today on how we can all gain the financial control that we desire so much. My guest today is Ryan D. Lee. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey, Jerry. Such a pleasure to be here. I'm, I'm excited to be on the show and to talk to you and your community. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. Well, you know, finances is always on the mind of entrepreneurs. And so, you know, I've got a ton of questions I want to ask you today. I, just know, I know there's a lot I'm going to learn. I'm taking a lot of notes. But, you know, before, before we dive into that, I know there's some people who, you know, probably don't know a little bit about your story and kind of where you've come from. So could you tell us a little bit about, you know, your backstory for our audience? Yeah, um, I'll go into it. I'll condense it as much as I possibly can. But, uh, you know, Jerry, I think for me, um, I always had the entrepreneur spirit inside of me, right? And, and it was funny, you know, I, I was, you know, from a very early age, I ran little side businesses and side hustles. But when I started to grow up, and, and especially when I decided to be responsible, um, like all the social conditioning kicked in for me. And I went to college and I paid for college with a side hustle. I paid for college with an entrepreneurship venture while I was going through college. But I'll never forget when I graduated, all these big dreams of, hey, making money with the, with the you know, corporate corner office. I got my first paycheck and that paycheck was less. After two weeks and a four-year degree, I earned less money than I made in a weekend as an entrepreneur going through college. And I remember thinking I was sitting on the, the, store, the this, um, doorstep of a Bank of America down in Tucson, Arizona, because I was part of my, my graduation and corporate transition was I had to move from Utah to Arizona. And I'm sitting there on the bank step going in to cash this check. And I thought to myself, I should just quit, right? But all the social conditioning kicked back in. I was married. I had a child on the way. And I decided to double down and climb the corporate ladder. And so I used my entrepreneurial skills inside of the corporate world. I became an entrepreneur. And I climbed the corporate ladder really, really fast. But what I found is every rung of the ladder that I was climbing, every promotion that I got, every advancement that I took, I felt like I was losing a portion of myself and ultimately what I really wanted along the way. I was disconnected with my family. Um, I moved over and over and over again. In fact, I lived in two different states. I lived in a different state than my family twice in my corporate career because we moved so much. 
And I started finding myself just losing everything that I was really, truly caring about. And I, I, in my mind, I was telling myself one day when I have enough money, I'll go back and I'll get it all back. But I was doing everything traditionally, right? I was putting all of my savings, all of my hopes, all of my dreams in a company sponsored 401k. And, you know, I remember when it crested its very first hundred thousand dollars, I thought, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm on the path. I'm making it. But <laughs> yeah. uh, man, shortly Just after, one more crest, one more, one more hill, one more crest, man, one more move, one more sacrifice. But shortly after 2008, I lost it all. I mean, literally I, I, I lost almost 80% of what I had in my 401k. Wow. And that was dovetailed with, with, you know, really at the next step, my, my oldest son had to have an open heart surgery that came a little bit out of, out of nowhere. And, and this was when I was living in a different state than my family. Mm. And I realized I had to do things differently. I had to gain control of my life. And, you know, this set me down a path, an interesting path. But it set me down a path primarily of finding a way to be financially free, finding a way to take control over my financial plan, to give me the permission to, to walk away from a steady paycheck, right? And it took me a couple of years, took me a lot of tries, honestly banged my head against the wall quite a few times. But that's what grew into what is today Cashflow Tactics. Yeah. So just, just to pause there for a minute. So, so, you're, so basically, so you, were, you were down this path, right? I mean, you were... You're building up your 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 nest egg, and it was just starting to feel like you know it's just getting around that corner, and then the whole thing crashed. You you lost eighty percent of your 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 funds. You had this open heart surgery with your son, which is a pretty you know, traumatic, not to mention expensive thing. You're living in another you know another another state from your from your family. It's a, that was all of those things together were, were like your breaking point. Yeah, man, it just it just it made me realize that for the first time I. I was expecting, I was, I was thinking that a college degree and a 401k was going to save me and give me what I wanted. And it was the exact opposites. You know, the answers come from within. And so for me, I went, you know, I, I came back home, my son is okay now. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that he's, he's actually doing better than ever. But I, I became just obsessed with the idea of, of really taking control of my financial plan and building financial freedom because I'm not a big risk taker. You know, I, at this time, I now had two children. My wife, uh, her job has been raising our family. And so all of the financial responsibility was on my shoulders. So I wasn't going to just leave, you know, as a steady income to start a business, but I had that entrepreneurial gene inside of me. And so I used that to create freedom for myself, freedom for my family. And it took me about four years, but that as I, as I built this strategy that we use in Cashflow Tactics, um, and I didn't invent anything. I just found principles, and that's the key with keyword there. Principles that other people have used for generations, and I built a strategy based on fundamental principles, not the latest hype, not the latest you know guru sell, not the latest. Hey, this is the five hottest stock tips for 2019. I used a principle based approach to generating cash flow and building financial freedom, and so it was a fun, fun learning experience. And it's now grown into cash flow tactics, where we work with hundreds, if not thousands, of people. Uh, throughout the country. Well, I'm really curious to dive into this then. So, you know, let's, let's look at that. Now, what I'm curious to know is, you know, what, what are those principles you found? Like, and also kind of what are, you know, well, I guess we, t- we talked a lot about some of the, some of the myths around finances, but there's probably some other ones that you really want to highlight for people. You know, what are some of the, some of the myths and then what are the principles that you found and, and, and how did you decide that like, those were the right ones? Yeah, that's a great point, man. So, you know, for me, I was obsessed with this idea of becoming financially free. And, you know, as I was looking at what I was doing, right, all of my money up to that point was in the stock market. And I realized a couple of really important lessons. Number one, you know, when I lost a bunch of, when 2008 happened and I lost a bunch of money 
did my 401k, I kind of thought I was the only one. I thought I was just stupid and I was the only one. And as I looked around, all of my other coworkers, every single one of them, they were in the same boat that I was. They had lost money. And I'll never forget, I was talking to Mike. Mike was my, my at that point, one of my supervisors. And I, I really looked up to Mike. I thought he had it all figured out. You know, he lived in a nice house, drove a nice car, all those things. And, and when I talked to Mike, he lost money and his version, his idea, his hope of retirement within a couple months vanished before his eyes. And he was now having to consider working well into his late 60s, if not 70s, because of the loss of 2008. And I realized for the first time, man, I'm doing the exact same thing this guy's doing. And yet I'm hoping and expecting a different outcome. I did not want to be in the corporate rat race until my mid 70s. That was not my objective. I wanted to get out as fast as I could. And I realized first and foremost, I can't do what everyone else is doing and expect a different outcome. That's number one. And then number two, I realized I had no control, but neither did anyone else that was around. me. And without any control, how could I ever impact or influence the outcome of what I was doing? So those were the two things that set me off on this path to say, look, traditional finance, that's a 40-year game, best case scenario. And I'm not in the game. I don't want to work in a corporate world for 40 years, trading the best days, months, and years of my life, hoping that one day I have enough money. So number one, I had to rise up. I had to take control over my financial plan, which meant no more taking money and putting it in the stock, in the stock markets. Okay. And so that was step number one. Step number two, and especially if you're, if you're working with a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't love politics. Politics kind of drive me crazy. But last, you know, the last election cycle when, um, when Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump you know, we're, we're doing their debates. There was something really interesting that was said. And, and most people didn't, didn't catch it. But uh, inside of our company, we caught it and we, we've broadcast it over and over and over again. But, you know, the election cycles are always really interesting because these, these politicians, they release their, their tax records. And, you know, for most entrepreneurs, for most biz, you know, business owners and even employees, the more money they make, what happens to that money? The more taxes they pay, right? Sure. Yeah. And, it almost gets to a point that you're, you, you, that, that, you know, de-incentivizes you, right? You don't want to make any more money because why make more money and pay half of it uh, in taxes? Yeah. <laughs> every election cycle, the politicians release their tax records. Back when Mitt Romney was running, guess what his, his total tax, um, tax rate was? 14%. Really? Multi-millionaire paying 14% of his income in taxes. He was running for president. Obama, when he ran for president, guess what his tax rate was? 17%. And now not a multimillionaire like Mitt Romney, but making hundreds of thousands of dollars paying only 17% of taxes. And then Donald Trump came around and Hillary Clinton was, was, you know, bashing Donald Trump, bashing, bashing because he wouldn't release his tax records. And finally, she, she, during one of the, the live nationally broadcast uh, um, discussions that they were having said, maybe he doesn't want the American public to know that he pays nothing in federal taxes. And Donald Trump leaned into the microphone and said, that makes me smart. What most people don't understand is the tax code is written to incentivize behavior. So first and foremost, I studied along with my business partner, the tax code. How, how can I make more money and not pay more of it in taxes? And the, it's laid out. It's not, it's not like this hidden code, like every single one of Mitt Romney, Obama, Donald Trump, they know how to use the tax code to keep more of their money. But yet the average person, right? The people out there doing what they've been told to do, the more money you make, the more you pay in taxes. So that's one of the key elements of what we do inside of Cashflow Tactics, especially for entrepreneurs and business owners. We focus on minimizing, reducing, and in many cases, eliminating their taxes. 
Yeah, so there's two ways. Yeah, there's obviously there's two ways to you know, gain potential control. One is to make more money, and one is to obviously you know keep more of it. So you know, reducing your your taxes can be you know as good as making a, a ton much of watching a whole new product with a whole new revenue stream by keeping that those funds. Absolutely. I mean, and the crazy part is, you know, when you invest in your business, you know, for every dollar, you, you invest dollars and dollars and dollars to make hopefully $10 to make $1 profit. Another big investment today, make another dollar profit. So keeping the money that you're making, keeping it as one of the main components of what we focus on. And then another element of what we do is it's not, you know, in the long run, it's not just having a big pile of cash. It's how do we convert that, that cash or that savings into passive income. So our entire company is founded on one principle, right? It's a game plan uniquely built to you, eliminating 97% of traditional financial advice, and then focusing on the few things that actually keep the money that you make, eliminate taxes and turn it into passive income. So you obviously got my attention. I'm sure a lot of people who are, who are listening in, who are you know, entrepreneurs. So for, for entrepreneurs like ourselves, um, what are, what are some of those key things then for, you know, I mean, you talked about saving money on, on the taxes. Are there certain key things that one should look at on, on that side? And then, and then what are the things that we can do to like grow that, that money that we have? Yeah, those are great questions. So here's on, on, the, on the tax side of things, it's really kind of interesting. You know, um, and, and this, this comes from Robert Kiyosaki, the, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He wrote a book called Cashflow Quadrants. And I love that book because it really lays out the framework. It's not very tactical, but it lays out the framework of how the tax code works. And he has this cash flow quadrant. And it's really meant to say, look, based on how you tell the IRS you're making money, that's going to determine how much you're, how much you're taxed. If you're an employee, you, know, you see it every single week, right? You're, you make money, taxes come out right off the top. There's nothing you can do about it. Then you're left with whatever's left over. If you're self-employed, if you go from, hey, I'm, I'm good at what I do in my job, and now I'm going to go do it as an entrepreneur, if you don't do anything about it, the IRS is going to tax you at 60, upwards of 60% of your income, right? And so the, the whole goal of the cash flow quadrant is to move you from the left side of the quadrant, from being taxed as a, either an employee or a self-employed uh, sole proprietor, over to the right side of the quadrant to be taxed as a legitimate business owner or a true investor. And Robert Kiyosaki says that, you know, if you're a business owner, you shouldn't be paying any more than 20% of your gross income in taxes. And we've noticed that when you use the tax code in an effective way, we can get pretty darn close to that 20% number. So the more money you make, if you go from making $200,000 to half a million to a million to, you know, north of that, the more money you make, your, your taxes should not follow suit as long as you're using the right tax structure and telling the IRS, hey, this is how I make my money. Not as a self-employed, not as an employee, but I make it as a legitimate business owner. So it's really pretty simple. And then once we roll from the business owner to the personal side, then it's eliminating taxes by where we put our money and how we turn it into cash flow. So much of what we do inside of Cashflow Tactics, we use a lot of real estate and a lot of uh, high cash value life insurance to minimize, eliminate, and... and uh, you know, just eliminate taxes and then convert it into passive cash flow. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. 20%. That, that definitely stood out in my mind. Um, I think for, for a lot of us, we're nowhere close to that. You know, we've got this, this idea now of, so you can keep our taxes down by shifting to, so if you're, if you're an entrepreneur, shifting to becoming a, a, a corporation and looking at how you're reporting yourself to the IRS, um, shifting money into uh, real estate and some high cash flow. um, investments. What are, what would you suggest for some of kind of like the first steps for someone to get to gain financial control if they're hearing all of this? 
Yeah, especially if it's an entrepreneur, this is, I think the biggest thing I can, I can give people is permission, right? I mean, everyone comes and asks me what, what financial advice, what's the latest thing they should be doing. The principle-based approach to what we do is at the core of everything, there is one greatest asset. And most people would think an asset is something like a house or you know, a car or something like that. But the greatest asset that, that anyone has is themselves, which means your best investment, the best place that you can invest your money is in yourself. It's increasing and investing in your mindsets, being able to see a vision that other people can't. You know, um, Steve Jobs back in the day was a visionary, right? No one could see the vision that he could see, but the more he invested in that vision, the bigger, the bigger following and the bigger, you know, almost cult-like following that that Apple created. So investing in your mindsets and then translating those mindsets into skill sets, a way that you can transact and, and convert your vision into value for other people and then your network. Those are the, your three best investments. So the real reality of what we do as we empower entrepreneurs to double down on themselves, to literally legitimately take money, invest money into your business, treat your business like an investment, and then expect a profit from what you do. Now, that might sound easier said than done, but with, a, with the right, really with the right consciousness and the right investment strategy, you can invest in yourself, bring your mindset, your skill set, your network to your business, create value for other people, and dollars follow the value that you create. So our primary objective is to help empower people to make money inside of their business, and then on the back end, have a strategy to keep it and turn it into a passive stream of income. But your best investment by far is always in a business that, that creates value for other people. Yeah, that makes, that makes so much sense. Now, having worked with so many people, what, what do you find are the biggest barriers to them like achieving this, you know, this ultimate financial freedom that you're trying to help them set up for? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is they, they just don't feel empowered. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit off air. One of the biggest things that we help people understand is 97% of traditional financial advice is dangerous, misleading, or wrong. And we've all been conditioned with that traditional financial advice. And especially for an entrepreneur, you know, think about it this way. When you think of investing, right, the first thing that people think about is investing in something to do with the stock market. But think about it this way. Your business, right? As we're talking about your business being the best investment, but you barely have control over your own business. And when you take a dollar and invest it in the stock market, what you're literally doing is you're investing a dollar in someone else's business. And if you have barely control over your own business, how much control do you have over someone else's business? I mean, virtually nothing. So the, the reality of it is stock market investing is not the investing strategy for an entrepreneur, right? You, for an entrepreneur, it's, it's doubling down on, those, on themselves having a system to make money, having a system then to keep the money. And that's the biggest disconnect, right? The, the, the mindsets and the skill sets that are required inside of a business to be fast, to be decisive, to, to you know, make quick decisions. Those are some of the, those are the exact opposite skill sets that you need inside of keeping the money that you make. We need to now, now start to think strategically for the long term. We, so it's, it's the exact opposite type of strategy. And so the goal is make money and then keep it. Make money and then keep it. Make money and then keep it. And then once you've got in the habit of doing that, then we look at your business in one of two ways. If you're like Russell Brunson, for example, Russell can sell his business. He's built something that, can, that he has a, a buyout option for, right? And so his best investment is just making money, you know, investing in himself because every dollar that he puts into his, his, himself, he can bring to ClickFunnels. 
And then, you know, if his business can sell, that's his exit strategy. If it can't sell, then we have to build an exit strategy on the back end. And, and that's where we use passive income generating real estate. But for Russell, there's no possible way he should ever touch real estate. Just make money and keep it, make money and keep it. And that's as simple as it is. Yeah. Uh, and I, what I really appreciate what you're saying is like, there, it's, again, it comes back to principles. It's not about following one tactic blindly. It's, it's really looking at your goals and your objectives, following those, those principles around you know, generating that value and, and you know, planning accordingly. Uh, so Ryan, one thing I'm curious about, I mean, you, I mean since those, those, those days long ago where you know, you're dealing with your, your finances crumbling and you know, working in another state to where you are now, which is you know, you've got a, an amazing family, you've got you know, life on your own terms, you're having a crap ton of fun and, and making a difference in the world in so many ways. What has made the biggest, what's had the biggest influence and impact on your success as an entrepreneur? You know, honestly, I think, I think it's two things. Um, number one, just having a sense of intention, right? I mean, if we're not careful, life passes us by. I just, I just barely turned 40 a couple of weeks ago. And it's so crazy how, how I look back and realize how fast life has gone. My family's growing up. I never thought in my 20s I would ever be 40, right? That was so far off. But life will pass you by. And, and unless you 